This is the date of privacy detective and it's now June 1, 2018. That's just one week after the general data protection regulations of the European Union became law. Not only in the EU, but also for businesses that are subject to its global grasp. Well, how did businesses in the United States deal with it? And what's the GDPR's immediate impact on how U.S. businesses have addressed personal information of European Union people that they have? So today, the data privacy detective turns the magnifying glass to this question, focusing on small and mid-sized SME, U.S. businesses that hold personal data about Europeans. Many years ago, I did Y2K audits as the 21st century approached, and there were warnings that planes could fall from the skies, that elevators could drop, that uh, second after midnight of the new millennium, that whole systems could crash and do terrible damage to the world economy. Would carbon paper in the abacus return? Who knows? Well, who knew? But it was not the apocalypse, as it turned out. And really, in 1999, there was a whole bunch of buying of hardware and software and getting ready and replacing things and putting eight digits instead of six and date codes and so on. And the year 2000 began without any great disaster in the computing area. Well, the introduction of GDPR has been a little more like a wake-up call. Uh, there are headline news about Cambridge Analytica, no longer with us, and massive database hacking leaks, Equifax, and so on, and uh, all these issues. Uh, but really, GDPR has been not at all like Y2K was. Multinational data businesses like Google and Facebook they poured resources, enormous resources, into GDPR compliance because they didn't have a choice except to consider whether they ought to treat Europeans uh, differently from Americans and people from other countries about their personal data. Oh, by the way, at 12.48 a.m. Brussels time, Google and Facebook uh, were sued. 48 minutes after GDR, GDPR became effective in a Brussels court by the nonprofit organization of Max Schrems. Now, who's Max Schrems? Well, he's the one who uh, got the safe harbor between the U.S. and the EU declared uh, uh, illegal by the European Court of Justice and uh, is a real privacy advocate in uh, the European Union. And the claims that uh, he's filed through his nonprofit organization uh, devoted to privacy are that Google and Facebook are violating GDPR already by not offering uh, EU customers a real choice for how their personal data are used by those companies. We'll see how it all turns out. Most coverage about the GDPR is about huge battles of these tech giants. Uh, and, and their business models are based in part on, on uh, turning customer data into revenue. Well, I, I'm turning to a different subject today, and that is how did SMEs in the United States deal with GDPR? Because uh, a clear majority of, uh, of businesses in the U.S. and elsewhere, don't, they don't, they're not really in the business of selling personal data of Europeans or anybody else. 
they collect and use it for normal business purposes, such as marketing goods and services, uh, uh, deciding whom to employ and employing people, uh, collecting payment from customers, uh, other processing that is, uh, uh, it really has nothing to do with uh, unknown use or disguised or surreptitious use of, of personal data. Uh, so, what happened when GDPR uh, came into effect among U.S. small and mid-sized businesses? Well, I can tell you, because we've been advising many of them, uh, that, that a lot of them that are selling goods and services into Europe, or that have European affiliates, explored, and many of them for, frankly, the first time, what EU personal data uh, they hold and use in the United States. And they found there are a number of ways that this happens. One is that the HR division held personal data about Europeans that are seeking employment, uh, people who work for the company uh, in the U.S. or in uh, Europe or elsewhere, uh, expats who work a few years in the States and then return, uh, uh, data about how to reimburse them into their bank accounts for expenses and so on. Business units uh, found they had business cards <laughs> gathered at trade shows and for all kinds of personal uh, contact details uh, for customers, suppliers, and uh, other people in the business chain. Some found data uh, in their systems from focus groups or customer outreach efforts that tried to elicit how do you market uh, to the EU or what's appealing to a European person. Um, so, and some in, some found sensitive uh, personal data such as health records and bank account details, uh, things like that. So what did they do? Well, the next step, of course, was one of them was to ask, do I have to register in the EU because we've got this data from people in the union, persons in the union, as GDPR phrases it? And a lot of these businesses read, frankly, uh, conflicting comments from experts about whether a business that doesn't purposely sell goods and services in the European Union has to appoint a data privacy officer and register with the European uh, Data Protection Authority in, in one of the EU countries. For example, companies that sell from a a U.S.-centric website that only takes uh, take orders in the United States dollar and uh, don't advertise in multiple languages. Uh, they're not they're not under uh, Article Three Point Two of the uh, GDPR, and and uh, some think therefore they have nothing to do with the GDPR. Uh, and indeed, many businesses concluded they really didn't have to do anything about it just because they have some data of European persons. But others read other commentators that warned that, wait a minute, that isn't the only basis on which one might be subject to GDPR because GDPR talks about data, personal data, of, quote, persons in the union, close quote. So there's been conflicting and differing advice and, of course, no case law. The GDPR has just started. Some of the SMEs in the United States that have affiliates or outlets in the EU have decided, well, we've got a solution. We'll, we'll appoint our EU entity as the controller of EU personal data, and then we, the U.S. company, can be a processor. We'll just use the data. We won't be responsible for 
for it the way a controller is, uh, and, and we'll just have a simple controller processor agreement. That's one way it was dealt with. Other more complicated organizations entered into joint controller or joint processor agreements and that fit differing circumstances. And this allowed a company that has uh, multiple entities to allocate risk and responsibility among logical affiliates. A lot of the US SMEs that gave serious attention to this upgraded their privacy notices uh, that are posted on websites. And uh, these upgraded notices uh, embrace basic aspects of the GDPR, like uh, uh, letting everybody know how we're going to use your data, and that if you need to correct it, uh, let us know. And if you want us to delete information, let us know, and this sort of thing, while still using the basic opt-out approach used by most uh, US businesses that aren't in the fintech or the medtech uh, sectors of the economy. Others decided that promising basic uh, GDPR protections without adopting a full range of commitments like the standard contractual uh, clauses of the GDPR uh, was, was quite adequate, at least for now. Now, there hasn't been a definitive survey uh, since May 25 of 2018 about how U.S. Uh, businesses reacted to GDPR. So here's the data privacy detective's anecdotal, anecdotal conclusion about this. Most U.S. SMEs that uh, don't have a focused effort on marketing goods and services in the EU have generally ignored it and assume it just doesn't affect them. They don't have much data and uh, uh, the Atlantic Ocean's a big space. Many revised their web-based privacy policies to embrace the essential elements of GDPR, fair notice of how personal data will be kept and used, uh, the right of people to correct and request deletion and, uh, of data, heightened cybersecurity around sensitive data, and so forth. Some, as I've already mentioned, have adopted the controller processor agreements to allocate uh, risk and responsibilities. Now, a good number of companies decided to send emails to uh, databases of people uh, saying things like, gee, we'd hate to lose you. Click here to, to tell us you still want to get our newsletters, things like that. And probably everybody listening to this got a blizzard of these emails in late May of 2018. If you think about it, there's an irony in this. If, if your business is the one that sent these out, what do you do if you don't get a response from someone? Which is highly likely for many people uh, that are barraged by hundreds of emails every day. Uh, you, you've sort of said uh, to these people, uh, click here if you want to continue to get our newsletters or our information. If they don't respond, I guess that means you better delete it or you're, you're not keeping your own promise to them. Uh, you know, under GDPR, express consent is not uh, required for all receipt and use of personal data. Uh, legitimate interest is, a, is a, a reason separate from consent to get and use the data if it's not misused. A lesser number of businesses joined the EU-US Privacy Shield. 
in fact, uh, as of May 25, 3,063 U.S. businesses had signed up for the EU-U.S. Privacy Shield, which you have to say is a, is a trickle of usage for that. Uh, a few decided to stop selling to EU customers. There are some U.S. Uh, local newspaper publishers, for example, that just halted paid subscriptions from EU residents. Washington Post took a, an interesting approach. They offer now a premium EU subscription. Uh, it's ad-free and it's tracking-free. At least they say it is, and I'm sure they're trying. And it costs uh, a third uh, more than a regular U.S. subscription. Interesting approach. And the final type of response from U.S. SMEs that we've noted came from those that took a step back and said, well, now, wait a minute here. Why should we treat Europeans different, maybe better, as to data protection, than we treat Americans or Canadians or Chinese persons? Why should we do that? Maybe we really ought to revise our personal data policies to uh, cover everybody. That's a challenge to find one that's totally compliant, but some businesses have, have thought about that and some have changed their policies that way instead. Now let's pause for a minute. The US and the EU have the world's largest trading relationship. This is often overlooked because the EU is not a country and trade figures are based on country statistics. But if we had a U.S.-EU trade statistic, it would be far and away the biggest trading relationship in the world as compared with U.S. and China or U.S. and Canada. U.S. and the EU know that commerce between Europe and the United States is critically important. And so the U.S.-EU Privacy Shield resulted from that. But again, it's been a relatively meager sign-up of U.S. businesses to the privacy shield. What else have we noticed? Well, as I mentioned, some businesses with an increasingly global nature have started to consider that carving up the world territorially to simply meet different individual country rules is going to result in a hodgepodge of policies that treats different human beings differently depending on their residence or where data arose. What happens if a person is a dual citizen? What if a U.S. person uh, travels or uh, lives in Europe? Uh, what do you do with that data? Treat it as both? What's it subject to? And frankly, from a business standpoint, it's a bit ridiculous to treat the personal data of people differently uh, depending on where they're from or what citizen of a country they are or where the data originated. How would that really be handled as a practical matter? You know, data are not like goods. Goods, uh, when they cross the border, require a custom form, payment of applicable duty. They're identified, they're priced. Data are a lot more like fish. Fish don't uh, declare their citizenship or where their personal information began. Neither do data. Uh, China's May 1, 2018 effort that uh, declares tight standards on when certain personal data can leave China's borders is uh, unlikely to work, in my view, because uh, it's just very much like the EU's effort 
from the old, uh, now old, uh, European Union Privacy Directive of 1995 that tried to restrict the transfers of data outside of the EU with the rise of the cloud and other reasons. Uh, data uh, is hard to restrict that way. And so the GDPR shifted the focus to how EU persons' data will be processed and how they'll be informed and notified rather than where the data exists or where they're stored and processed. Frankly, the data privacy detective does not see a governmental solution here anytime soon. There's no real effort by the governments of the world to create an international agreement or even global standards on how personal information of the world's people should be collected and used, and more importantly, not misused. It's uh, much more likely that businesses themselves are going to have to find ways, and will find ways, to protect the personal data of people people on whom they depend for services and revenue. Uh, those businesses that surprise their customers by using data in unexpected or harmful ways are going to face lawsuits and penalties. And more fundamentally, they're going to have to rethink their revenue models or run the risk of severe reputational damage when the data breach occurs or their secret misuses of data are revealed. It is unlikely that personal data will become part of the trade wars that seem to be brewing about uh, goods and services, especially uh, increased tariffs and uh, national security uh, as a basis for uh, raising uh, tariffs uh, even on automobiles. But it's not impossible that personal data will become an impediment to global commerce. If businesses follow the model of certain U.S. newspaper publishers, abandoning whole markets because of uh, territorial personal data laws, this would really be a distressing signal. It could herald an era of data balkanization. Well, if that starts to happen, it'll play right into the hands of protectionist and tribal forces that try to erect walls around data flows and other things. If that happens, that would interfere with human freedom that we have in choosing where to buy our goods and services and how we communicate with one another. That would stifle human creativity and the spread of knowledge. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Well, signing off for today, this is the data privacy detective. Remember, as to your personal data, uh, its protection starts with you.